Welcome to the Ivy Church podcast. For more podcasts and information about Ivy Church, go to ivychurch.org. Thank you very much. Good morning, everybody. How cool is this morning? It's so good. It's so good to have our kids leaders and to hear what God is doing in your lives. It is, it is amazing. Now, I have a table. This is kind of for the grand finale, so you're going to have to hold on for this. Um, but um, as many of you all know, we have been in a series called Hidden Hope. Now, if you read the Old Testament, you won't hear the name Jesus mentioned at all. But in actual fact, all throughout the Old Testament, Jesus is present. And Jesus is there. It's almost like he's hiding behind the curtain before he's about to take center stage. And so we're going to unpack that a little bit more this morning. But before we do, I'm going to pray for us. But what I'd love us to do, maybe just to close your eyes for a moment, and then just put your hands on your ears. That's all right. And so, Father God, I want to pray that you would come and you would give us ears to hear what you are saying to us this morning. Father, would you speak so clearly to us? And then maybe just put your hand on your heart and say, Jesus, I thank you so much that you've chosen to make your home in me. And so, Holy Spirit, we pray that you would come and fill our hearts again to overflowing. Every single one of us, from the youngest to the oldest, come and speak and come and move. Amen. Amen. Isn't it cool that every time we open the Bible that God speaks to us? Are you ready for that? God's going to speak this morning because he promises that when, when, when we read his word, he's going to speak to us. Who wants to hear from God this morning? That's good. When we come expectant, God speaks even louder and even more clear. But what I want to do to begin with, I want to take us back to the very beginning of the Bible when God created the heavens and the earth. And right at the very beginning of the Bible, anyone tell me what the first book of the Bible is called? The, yeah, it's called Genesis. And the book of Genesis, the name Genesis simply means beginnings. So I want to take us right back to the beginning. And the very first words of Genesis said this. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And then we read these words. It was empty and darkness covered the world. So we're going to bring the lights down a little bit. Darkness covered the world. But then it says this, but God's spirit, everyone say spirit, but God's spirit was moving over the waters. Now, can anyone tell me this morning, John taught us a new word. It was the, so the Bible's written in lots of languages. One of them was a language called Hebrew. Now, John told us a new word for spirit. Can anyone remember what it was? Ruach. I want to say ruach. And you got to, ah, got like a Scotsman, ah, ruach. And that word is the word for spirit. But it actually, another word for ruach is breath. Everyone say breath. Breath. And blow the person next to you with your cheesy breath from the cheesy melts this morning. Beautiful. Um, so the word spirit is the same word as the, the word breath. And so we could read this passage at the beginning that God's breath was moving over the waters right at the very beginning. And then what happens is that God begins to speak. Now, can anyone tell me what the first thing that God said in the Bible was? Anyone know what it is? Let there 
be light. That is right. And so we had this idea that when God speaks as his breath moves out across the earth, there's life. There's life. And so God didn't just stop with making light. He decided that he was going to make um, the flowers and the trees and the mountains and the oceans from the tiniest little insects to elephants and lions and bears. He made all the fish in the sea. How? Because he spoke it with his breath. And if you remember, as God speaks, it's almost that his, the Spirit of God is moving. And the one thing that I want us to remember, and I need you to help me with this. I'm going to say this a few times, that when God speaks, there is life. So I'm going to say when God speaks, and I want you to shout out, there is life. Are you ready? When God speaks, beautiful, that is true. I'll say it one more time, say it a little bit louder. When God speaks, Perfect. And I want us to remember that throughout this morning as I speak. Um, now, can anybody tell me what the last thing that God made was right at the very end? He made all the animals. He made Judah. He made humans. Yeah, he made humans. He made us. And do you know what? Actually, the Bible says that God saved the best till last. He made all the animals and all the rest of creation, and he said, that is good. Do you know what he said about humans? That is very good. Turn to the person next to you and you say, you are very good. It is true. We're the best thing of God's creation. And he saved the best of last. And here's what we read about how God created human beings. It said that God formed them from the dust of the earth. And then it says this. It said that God breathed his breath into them. What else does breath also mean? Ruach, which means spirit. God breathed his spirit. And guess what happens when God speaks... Guys, come on, come on. When God speaks, and when God speaks, humankind came alive. Because where God's spirit is, where his breath is, there is life. Isn't that amazing? And everywhere we look around us, we see God's creation. We see animals, we see the trees, we see rivers and oceans. And it's there because God spoke it into being. Isn't that pretty cool? Imagine if you could speak and life happened. That would be pretty cool. And maybe we can. We're going to explore that in a moment. But I want to skip forward in time to about 600 years before Jesus walks the earth. And there was a man named Ezekiel. Everyone say Ezekiel. 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 And he lived, as I say, about 600 years before Jesus walked the earth. Now, Ezekiel was a prophet. And if you're thinking, what is a prophet? A prophet was someone who simply heard the things that God was saying and saw the things that God wanted to show his people. And so Ezekiel would hear what God was saying, he'd see what God was showing him, and then he'd go and tell God's people of all that he'd seen and heard. But at this time, for God's people, it was a really difficult time. Things were not going well for God's people. In fact, everything that they were putting their hope in was failing them. Everything that they thought was good in life was being taken away from them. In fact, most of God's people had been taken prisoner 
by another nation and forced to live in another country. Imagine if that happened to you. Imagine if right now someone came and forced you from your home and caused you to live in another country where you knew nobody and it was all different and strange. This is what God's people were going through. And not only that, their own country, Israel, had been invaded by their worst enemies. And, and their capital city, which was called Jerusalem, had been taken over. And do you know what? Perhaps the worst of all for God's people is that their temple, the temple, had been destroyed. And you might think, well, what's a big deal about a temple being destroyed? Surely a temple is just a building, but not for God's people. For God's people, this is a picture of what the temple would have looked like. It was, it was the symbol of hope for the people of Israel, for God's people. Right in that center bit, if we go back one side, can we go back? <laughs> That is all good. Right in that center bit is where God's presence would dwell. In fact, it was such a holy place that um, inside there, there was only one person was allowed to go in there one time a year because the presence of God was so heavy in that place. And this was the symbol of hope. You know, if you lived in Jerusalem, this temple was set up on a hill. You would see it from miles around. And this was the symbol that our God is with us. Our God is for us, and yet their temple, their symbol of hope, lay in ruins. I wonder what symbols of hope people have today. What kind of things do you think people hope for? I've got a few ideas. The first one is this. What's that represent? Football, yeah. A lot of people will put their hope in football. If you put your hope in the team to the left, you are probably very hopeless at the moment. And if you put your hope in Manchester City, then you're very probably very hopeful. But people do put their hope in football and can be left very disappointed when their teams don't win. Okay, the next thing. What does that represent? Money. So many people put their hope in money. If only I get enough money. If only I had more money, then my life would be perfect. Then my life would be okay. But we know that's not really true. And when we don't have enough or when we get enough, we still think, actually, I want more. We don't find our hope in money. What about the next thing? What do you think this represents? Royalty. Status and power. So if you've got a crown, you're someone who's really important. Some people put their hope in power. Some people are high up in their jobs and their bosses and they think, ah, my hope is in my status because people look up to me and admire me. But what happens if that's taken away? Where does your hope lie then? Okay, what about the next one? Our houses, our stuff, cars, possessions. Like, stuff is nice. I, I love my house and I like my car. They're really nice things, but we can put our hope in these things. But what happens if your car breaks down, it gets written off, or if there's a problem with your house, and some people might, may lose their house. Where is your hope then if that disappears? Okay, the next thing. Other people. Now, people are... Amazing. God created us to be in relationship with other people. But hands up who knows that sometimes people let you down. Some people can be pretty mean. You have friends at school who can be nasty. Or just people who are strangers aren't very nice to us at times. So we, it's sometimes difficult to put all our hope in people because at some point, even those closest to us might let us down or disappoint us. Okay, and finally, I've got this. There's nothing more that you can put your hope in than the British government, right? As we well know, people at the moment are hoping in something. Brexit is this ideal, and people think, if, if only this could be made right, then all our hopes and all our, everything will be okay in the nation. But as we know, that is not true. Um, but what happens when the things that we hope for let us down? 
I wonder how you think God's people felt having been taken from their own country, forced to live somewhere else, and everything they hoped for taken away. How do you think people would have felt? Everything you know taken away from you. Anyone? Feel pretty sad? Feel pretty hopeless? Feel pretty low? Would you be pretty angry with God? I'd be, I'd be angry if God had taken over. Esther. You'd feel really lonely, that's right. Everything that you put your hope in had been taken away, and this is how God's people were feeling. And I wonder if you could think of some situations in the world today that can cause people to lose hope. Anyone think of anything? Judah, yeah? Wars, yeah. Anything else? Cause people, yeah. Do you, just Tax, yes. Tax can cause us to lose hope, that's true. Uh, anyone else? What causes us to lose hope? Illnesses, definitely. Anyone? One more. Say? Bereavement. That's right. There are so many things that can cause people to lose their hope. But for God's people, when everything seemed to be lost, when everything seemed to be going against them, God came to Ezekiel in a vision. He had a dream. I'm going to read this passage to you. You find it in Ezekiel 37, and it's an amazing passage in the Bible. And Ezekiel 37 says this, like, Ezekiel had a dream. And the hand of the Lord, this is Ezekiel speaking, he says, The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he carried me out and set me down in the middle of a valley that was full of bones. And the Spirit took me around so I could see them, and I noticed that they were very dry. Then the Lord asked me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, only you know that. Then the Lord told me to prophesy to the bones and tell them to listen to the word of God. He told me to tell the bones that he will cause breath to enter into them and they will come alive and he will attach muscles and cover the bone with skin and then he will breathe life into them and they will come alive and they will realize that I am God. So I prophesied what God had told me, and there was a shaking and a rattling sound, and the bones came together, bone to bone, and then I saw muscles and flesh cover the bones, but they were not breathing. Then God said to me, prophesy to the wind and say, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these dead soldiers so that they may live. So I prophesied to the winds, and the breath came into them, and they lived, and they stood upon their feet. There was an exceeding great army, and then God said to me, the dry bones represent God's people. They think that all hope is gone, and they have lost everything. But prophesy to them, and I will put my spirit in them, and they will live, and I will place them in their own land again, and they will know that I am the Lord. God is giving people hope again. When they think all is lost, God has another plan. And so in Ezekiel's vision, he's looking out. I want you to imagine for a second, you're looking out and all you see is a valley of dry bones. I mean, in all honesty, can bones really come back to life? No, they can't. They're dry. They're dead. They can't do anything. And this is what Ezekiel is seeing in his dream. But when all seems lost, God says to Ezekiel, he says these words. He says, prophesy to the bones. In other words, God says, speak my words to the bones. Use my breath and speak to the bones. And because what we know, what happens when God speaks? Come on, Em's remembered. Okay, what happens when God speaks? And God says to Ezekiel, speak 
to the bones. And this word again that we're using for breath also means spirit. God's saying, speak my spirit to these bones because when I speak, there is life. Come on. It's so true. This is a story about how God can take anything. Everyone say anything. God can take anything, any situation that seems lost, dead, hopeless, or broken, and he can make it come alive again because he's in the business of making dead things come back to life. So everyone say amen. Come on. And there may be times in your life when hope seems lost, that there's no possibility of things getting better, there's no possibility of change, that that illness just will never fix itself, that I could just never get that friendship back with that person, or things are just too far gone for things to ever be the way that they were. But God asked Ezekiel a question. He said, Ezekiel, can these bones live? And if I was Ezekiel, I've said, no chance, they're dead. It's just all hope is gone. But Ezekiel doesn't say that. He says, only you know, Lord. And here's what I want us to know from this story. When we see bones, God sees an army. When all we see is dry bones and things are hopeless, God sees an army. God sees hope. God says, I can bring that to life again. When you see no way out, when you see no chance of reconciliation or breakthrough, or nothing ever getting better, God sees breakthrough. Because when God speaks, there is life. And this beautiful picture, as Ezekiel begins to speak, and that word is breath, the breath enters the bones, and these bones rise up and become an amazing army. And this is a picture for Ezekiel. He was saying, your nation, your temple might be ruined, but when I speak, when I get involved, I will bring it back to life. But we don't have the power to bring dead things back to life. Lauren and I, we like to do a little bit of gardening, but our potted plants indoors, um, most of them are quite brown at the moment, aren't they? And we're not very good. I tried to revive uh, one of our dead plants, and I couldn't do that, because I can't make dead things come back to life. But there is one who can, and his name is Jesus. And so I, just to begin with, I want to fast forward to the New Testament, when Jesus is fully on the scene. And here's what I'm going to reveal. Everyone say, woo. There we go. You see, God saw the brokenness and our hurting and all the bad things that were going on. He was in heaven and he saw that and, and he hates it when we hurt. You are God's children and he hates it when we are hurting and when we are broken. And God says, I want to do something about this. I want to breathe life where there is no life. And so, I want us to imagine that this is you and me. This represents us. We get a fresh start at the beginning of our lives. But what happens is, there's this thing called sin in the world. And, it, and it's nasty, and it pollutes everything, and it makes our nice, new, clean lives broken and dirty and painful. And some of us, and probably most of us here, will experience times when we, we experience and feel the effects of sin. We feel broken. We feel sad. We can feel alone. We can feel without hope. And whatever we do, we just can't escape it. There's no way I can separate this brokenness and this sin from my life. So God says, I'm not happy with that. I want to do something that's going to heal and restore my people. And so God decided to send Jesus he came to earth. Imagine this represents Jesus. And as we know, Jesus went to the cross. And on the cross, all the sin that gets messed up in our lives, he actually took this on himself. He took the sin to the grave. And does everyone know what happened when after he died? 
he came back to life. He basically said, death, do you think you've won? No, you haven't. And what happens is, when Jesus rose to life, he defeated the power of sin. And, and when you choose to say yes to following Jesus, if you say, Jesus, I believe that you died for me. I believe that you've defeated death. What happens is, God says, I want to come and live in you. I want to breathe my breath in you. And as he does, he makes his new and he makes his whole, and all the brokenness, and all the sin gets washed away. We get healed and restored. And actually, this is what Jesus thinks of sin. He says, I'm greater than that. I'm better than that. I can do away with sin. I can make broken things live again. And you know what? It doesn't just stop there. One of the things that God said to Ezekiel, he said, prophesy to the bones. In other words, speak my words to the bones. Speak my Holy Spirit over those bones. And actually, what happens? Where are we gone? Is this us? This is what happens. We then go to a world that is also broken. Hands up when you turn on the news, you see bad things. We see bad things all around us. God says, you go and prophesy. You go and, the spirit that's in you, you go and pour it out to the world. And again, look what starts to happen. We can bring change and restoration to a broken world. Isn't that amazing? And so, we're going to worship in a moment, and we're going to get a chance to respond to that. So I'd love to invite everyone to stand, and we're just going to be quiet for a moment. So I'd love you to stand if you're able. One of my favorite verses in the Bible comes in Romans 8, verse 11, and we read this. The same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is alive and at work in you. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is alive and at work in you. But you know, if we don't have Jesus in us, then we're just like the dry bones. If you don't have Jesus living in you, his Holy Spirit, then we stay broken. But when Jesus comes and lives inside you, when he makes his home in you, there's life, there's healing, there's restoration, there's, there's, there's joy and so this morning, I'd love to invite everyone just to close their eyes for a second. I'm going to get us to respond in two ways. So I'd invite you to close your eyes. And this morning, however old you are, if you've never said yes to say, Jesus, I want to follow you. I, I want to thank you that you've died for me. I want to thank you that you've forgiven me of all the wrong things I've done. And, and actually, I want your spirit to come and live in me. If you've never prayed that prayer before, I'd love to invite you just to raise a hand. If you've never prayed that prayer before, So I'm going to pray for us. Brilliant. And if you want to say this for yourself, if you think, actually, I feel dry. The things going on in my life, there's really dry places in my life. And there's, there's pain and there's hurt and I've fallen out with friends and I just wish things could get better. If you want that, maybe just you want to hold your hands out and just receive God's Holy Spirit. It's just a sign of saying, God, I want to receive your spirit. So Holy Spirit, we invite you to fill us afresh. Jesus, we thank you that you died and that you make us new. So, Father, we want to receive that Holy Spirit again. Come and bring the dead bits back to life. The hurting bits, would you come and heal them? God, would you let us be able to see the horizon with hope rather than with hopelessness? Would you come and fill us with your Holy Spirit? Give us faith to believe that things can change. Because you brought the dead back to life. And you defeated death. And you say that same spirit lives in us. And we receive that again afresh this morning.
And so we're going we're to worship God. We're going to praise him because he is who he says he is. He's a resurrection God. But one thing that I'd love us to do, that same spirit isn't just to stay in us. We're to then pour it out into the world. And so over here, what I've done is, let me grab one. There's a bunch of pens and there's some plasters. These plasters represent the brokenness in the world. And what I want us to do, like Ezekiel did, I want us to prophesy to some dry bones. And on here, I want us to write maybe a name, a place, a situation, a country where you think, actually, they need God's life. They need God's spirit. They need God's healing. They need to know God's love, or that nation needs to know God's love or healing. And just as a sign, just to write the name of whatever it is and stick it to the cross, just as a sign that you're saying, I prophesy over this place that God wants to bring life. So we're going to do that in our worship. Is that all right? So, Holy Spirit, would you come? Fill us afresh. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more podcasts, go to ivychurch.org slash media.